and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I have Ryan here. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but Scott got way hotter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Scott has, well, is an entirely different person known as Murphy. Hello. Welcome back, Murphy. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Uh, for people who don't know, Murphy was on an episode many, many moons ago, actually, Almost two years ago, episode nine. I or think something like we talked a lot about D and D, and tonight we're going to talk a lot about D and D. So, thank you, Murphy, for coming back. Thanks for having me back on. Hey, to talk about yeah. one of my favorite subjects. Yeah, and we like talking to Murphy. We like Murphy being around. Uh, if you're a patron, you'll find her familiar because you've heard her in the Aeon episodes. Yep, she is one of our fellow players. She's our biokinetic. Ella. Yes, <laughs> in the giant Varg cat dog thing. With my terrible French accent. <laughs> it's all right. My southern accent's an atrocity. I and, and I and I know that. Like I'm a southerner, but I don't have a but southern accent. But you're a southerner like in two hundred years in the future. So it's okay. Uh, yeah. Accents have gotten very weird. It's an affectation, I'm sure. <laughs> Just like in the expanse. Exactly. But anyways, let's get into a little bit of the news. The Lunars for third ex- third edition Exalted has officially been kickstarted it is without a doubt has been funded and it's going to continue on so if you're interested i'll put a link in the show notes it's very cool i do enjoy that the version now the version of it is like it's a sure shot that it's going to exist yeah really all it is is how much extra shit we get out of it like yeah how, how many like additional books get written off of like the kickstarter how much extra content versus how much profit they get off of it like even I remember I don't know if if the Lunars does it, but I remember other uh, Onyx Path and like White Wolf Kickstarters have done like oh the art team or the writers get like a twenty percent pay bump if they meet a certain pay goal. So it's like oh they made there's an incentive for them. There's a it's a reward for the writers for doing so much extra. That's work. a yeah. I mean that's uh, yeah. We should totally pay people for their fucking work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we should pay artists who make the yeah, art. RPGs big, live and die by their art. Yeah, for big things like Exalted, it's pretty much a surefire thing. Within a couple of hours, they're probably funded because they only need somewhere in the realm of twenty to forty thousand dollars to actually get the product made and have a book out ready for you. Um, but everything else is sort of bells and whistles. Um, actually, though, that's when the other news is, uh, if anyone back the Scion hero, they should be shipping out the physical books here shortly because I'll be getting my copy, which I'm looking forward to because then I'm looking forward to backing, uh, the mask of the mythos that we've talked about before. And, uh, we've been having quiet discussions about quiet discussions about that one. Yep. (laughs) There, 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 there's some potential, maybe someone in our little group will run us a game and it will be. Crazy good. It'll be so much fun. Um, in other news, and less like uplifting news, there have been a little bit of RPG shakeup. Looks like some people, namely Matt McFarlane and a few others, have been accused of various misdeeds. Um, and a lot of people have been either a lot of distancing of companies from these people or not rehiring them for various contracts. Um, I'm not going to put a lot of links to it. You can search it and read up on that it, yourself it's very easy to find yes uh, i'm not i have not read it's every basically single little everywhere so i haven't read every single little detail so i don't want to talk about it because i don't want to work on half information i'm just saying that there if, if there was enough impetus for something this like this big and loud to have happened i mean you never know yeah i mean i i'm not i'm not saying a disbeliever or anyone i'm just saying there's a lot of information out there i would suggest if you're interested go read it 
It'll be uh, probably a very enlightening read. It's not unheard of for this sort of thing to happen <laughs> in this industry. Yeah. And by that, I mean, it's always heard of for this thing to yeah, happen in this industry. Yep. Yeah, it's very sad. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Any other news? Uh, I believe Zach Sabbath also got the kick. Who? Zach Sabbath. Oh, uh, okay. Whatever. That's right. Zach that was dude the other guy. Got 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 kicked off RPG Net also because mm-hmm. they just have had enough. Yeah, because somebody who had I think it was Zach Sabbath. It may have been Zach Sabbath. He was an artist, right? Yes. Yeah, that's the guy who got removed off the fifth edition D and D book, which is actually kind of. So did they also take his art out? I mean, in uh, newer, they in don't future think editions, his art out, but his credit is removed from the book. Ooh, I don't know about that. Um, but obviously he already got paid for whatever work he did. But um, overall, as far as I know, he is being distanced from the actual product now. I don't know the exact details, but because somebody somebody had linked up. Uh, the new PDF for fifth edition, and they saw that his name had been off the PDF. Yeah, that definitely took him somebody doing it. Yep. So, but anyways, let's let's bring it out. How is your gaming been, Murphy? You can tell us all about your gaming. What is your gaming life like? Well, as you know, I am playing in uh, Aeon, which is a lot of fun, um, and still actively playing D anD D, LARPing a bunch. Recently, a friend of ours ran 10 Candles, actually for everybody here in the room, so hopefully I'll get to do that for these guys as part of patron content coming up in the future. Mm -hmm. I'd really like to, and that's what's going on with me. Yeah, that's, uh, she alluded to, uh, um, uh, I've got to experience 10 Candles for the first time a couple weeks ago before our trip, and man, oh man, was it very enlightening. Very interesting. Really cool game. Matt learned some shit about himself that night. Well, it wasn't about myself. It was just just how the that mechanic and the more narrative style of storytelling, his and the physicality of it. Yeah, it's very ritualistic and it's more consensus based storytelling than your, you know, a game run by a GM. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. I we may be doing that as a recording for a very short term Polynesian plays mm-hmm. Tin Candles game. <laughs> very short term. Yeah. Very very. Tin like, Candles is one you'll shot. Get two episodes and that it's, will be it'll it. be a two part. I mean, and I and as I said in an earlier episode, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea for us to do a, a series of more short run things, so mm-hmm. that give some people some more digestible stuff, have some new people, different people tag in here and there. Actually, as a as a cool idea, just have maybe we won't do it as purely patron content. Maybe we'll do it as part of a two part actual episode and just but, release that. I'm also fine with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be really. I think it's a cool game. That's yeah, it's a very cool game. It's very easy to follow along. There's not like, you need to read this rule book to understand what the hell is going on. <laughs> no, in fact, uh, to run it, it's a two-page PDF. <laughs> like, yeah. I've actually got it. It's very, like, the book's very pretty, but yeah. The, <laughs> the, the scenario, the length of, the number of scenarios that you can potentially pull, pull from is bigger and longer than the actual rules. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, Um. and from my gaming, pretty much, it's pretty much stayed the course um just today some things have fizzled out with some gaming i was doing online so i'm having to restructure my schedule oh, again no. oh so, no your did your wrath and glories become less yeah glorious? unfortunately just it, it, it bombed bottomed out like most online games typically do without like a super dedicated like that's why i'm paying for play baby yeah. i'm gonna go pay somebody well for online again we talked about this in the online episode it's just i think there's a bit of a when you go to someone's house you get a bit of like, oh, I'm going to, I'm doing a thing. It's a, it, again, a, people I'm take a things less seriously when it's online yeah. because it's more anonymous. I'm and, a fucking human being. Yeah. Right. Because I want to do something. 
It's just hard because, well, we're adults and we don't have we don't have a lot of time obligations. Hell yeah, yeah, man. Obligated as fuck right now. <laughs> and what about you, big man, gaming wise? Same I mean, thing. Nothing changes. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Same shit. Different. Different day, man. I've been doing <laughs> the same games from some games I've been doing for years. Some you know I've been doing for months. Are you ones. having fun though? Absolutely. Okay, then that's always all that matters. Had, I always loved tabletop role-playing games, even though sometimes getting me out of the house is a little difficult because <laughs> I'm a crazy person. So yeah. that's... <laughs> Cataprod. Cataprods. But I'm always happy when I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, but anyways, let's get into it. We're going to talk about... Originally, when Murphy came on, we were just talking about 5th edition D&D, but that was like two years ago. Um, and we sort of talked about the bare bones basics and sort of the history of d and I thought it would be cool to talk about more of the modern history, like the stuff that's happened over the last two-ish odd years since the, the first couple books have come out and now talk about... I also about- would like to revise some of my opinions from that earlier episode, having played some more D&D. Cool. 5th ed now. <laughs> Yeah, All right. Well, really then are. let's 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 start with that. Then what 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 are your what were your opinions, and what have you? How would you like to revise them? Well, I uh, thought Monk and Warlock were weaker in comparison. I still think Warlock is one of the weaker classes without cross-classing, but it's better than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And having seen Monk in play, I haven't played one. Um, it's very powerful, and very cool. I do all right. Yeah, he does good. He does good. Shadow Monks, really good. Shadow Monks are very good. I don't know why you would ever pick any of the other ones. Okay, Sun Soul, I could see. Sun Soul's good if you want some ranged combat. If you want to be able to do ranged pretty yep. easily. But yeah, why would you ever be elementalism? It's it, it, That totally needs a lot of retweaking. That it, just needs to be needs tweaked It needs to be hard. better. I'll admit I haven't read it. Uh, it's, it's like, cool, would you like to be the last airbender? Would you like to do that kind of stuff? Yeah, but some of the spells that you get at certain levels for certain the, the chi cost... Right. Way too expensive or yeah, way like, high level requirement. You get like burning hands like level like way up there. Yeah. It's kind of expensive. It it's sort of like I want to be a monk, but also multi classes like in a wizard. Oh, so thing. kind of like me being a celestial warlock. Oh, cleric or warlock. Oh, but not both. <laughs> well, but you're a little more it's a little bit easier for you because you get you get not only the pool of points that you can just heal people with, but do you still get the ability to cast your spells? No, I actually as think celestial warlocks are very one of the better warlock yes. varieties. Uh, but that's a, that's very we're getting to some nitty gritty there. But that in typical, uh, I think I, I think most only a couple of the monks are really good. The rest could use a lot of tweaking. So if it's not completely obvious by now, if you're not a, if you're not interested in fifth ed D and D. Uh, fucking sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we're talking about. Hopefully, the, we'll still be entertaining. This is the free part, so you know, come and go as you please. I guess. <laughs> uh, but don't worry, we'll be talking about movies and shit on this in the Patreon content if <laughs> hey, you pay. I'm gonna say to do my little shill shill bit here for a buck a month. You get a lot of extra content from us. You get us just talking about whatever the hell we want. Also, you get our our let's plays or actual plays. I say. think I'm funnier in Patreon content. Mm-hmm. You are, well, that's because we cut loose. Yeah, it's funnier when I give you money. That's uh, yeah, I know. I dance in circles. I make weird noises. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. very unusual. Uh, but let's talk about. It. So um, you you already gave us one bit of what you would like to revise since then. So a lot of different things have happened over the last couple of years for D anD. d Starting in 2015, we had like elemental player uh, elemental elemental evil players companion, which was to the elemental sort of the big adventure of the elemental evil. You had Prince's Apocalypse, Out of the Abyss, the Sword Coast Adventures Guide, which I think was essentially the first real big 
source book. Like well, it was a straight kind up of source been, book. They've been combining setting slash source material with adventures for the most part, with this, mm-hmm. with that exception and a couple others. But yeah. yeah, that's typically what they've done, and a lot of these is. As Murphy said, they're combining two ideas together instead of giving, here's just like a 20-page adventure. They're like, let's slip a 20, 30-page adventure into our source book, combine the two, make it all very flavorful, and then here you go. That's And there's almost no crunch in them. Like, I think Sword Coast Adventures Guide and the recently, the more recent Xanathar, Xanathar's Guide to Everything have like the most straight player material that you could actually apply to your mechanically apply to your character by the way matt brief yeah. asides matt has the fancy boy xanathars yeah. oh it's so attractive boy I'm... got some news for you guys if you hey matt if you wanted to make a couple hundred dollars right oh, is now, this, this is oh yeah all the special edition ones are like in the hundreds of dollars i'm now. gonna wait then i'm gonna wait even longer hold on to it i'm and... holding because i bought well here's the thing i bought the special so a what DD did when xanathars came around they got a new artist to do not the interior layout, but the layout for the cover and the back. And it's absolutely mind-bogglingly gorgeous. Yeah. They also did the I, same for the core set, and I uh, someone got that for Christmas. It was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, hold on to that for a while. That someone probably wishes they could expand their entire D&D library to be the special editions, but doesn't have the capital for it. Uh, and they don't even physically have the books for that Well, yet. Right, but as, <laughs> as far as ones that exist, I, like, I would love like Xanathar's. Um, Xanathar's is beautiful. I, the moment I saw Xanathar's, like, I've got to get myself a copy. And I bought it for my wife for, I uh, believe, last Christmas. I was just like, you like D&D, you're getting into D&D. Let me get you this really cool, slick book. And I know Xanathar's is going to be a really useful book yeah. for being a player it's a really 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 useful book so yeah that's the thing um i mean back in that episode i talked a lot about the creep of 4e and i talked i I briefly went over like the release schedules of how 4e released its Mm -hmm. stuff and how many like how just the glut of content that was always power creep yep i i will say they really really learned their lesson Two years in, and I have seen very, very few things released in terms of actual player mechanics that I would immediately dismiss as like that's ridiculous. Why would any? Why would you ever even put that in the game? So, I don't know when Unearthed Arcana started being a thing, but I mean, as far as what's in Xanathar's, that probably helped a lot because they got to play test stuff and actually have. People... Unearthed Arcana has been around for really? as long as Dragon Magazine has been on the internet. Yeah, it's Fair just enough. become sort of morph into its own official. Uh, the official playtest doc mm-hmm. for for uh, Wizards of the Coast. Not basically. wouldn't it be nice? Uh, there's a lot of the old Unearthed are kind of the 3.5 and 3.0 days. Right, that's what I was, was wondering. was a lot of wouldn't it be nice nonsense and a lot of it was just overpowered crazy bullshit. And it was overpowered crazy bullshit. But and now it's, t- it's, it's, it's legitimate material of please, here's the stuff. Please read over it. Give us feedback. Just like they did the really long like two year playtest of 5th edition. They're like, Play test it. Tell us what's good, what's bad about it. We'll fix it, and eventually it will make its way into the main books. We will release it as a, an official product that has been as balanced as we can make it. Well, the genius that they picked up on was that uh, prestige classes are stupid. Don't do that. Uh, anything where your character class, like cross classing, is one thing, but anytime where there's like multiple branching options for like you know different classes and stuff. That introduced a lot of weird complexity and min-maxiness. 5e is very, very clean in that you have, you know, about two choices. Uh, and then in terms of, like, the overarching, like, what your character can 
do like core mechanics wise, and then you you know supplement that with your feats and you know. and and the I think the core thing was you have a class. You typically probably we're we're not saying you can't multi class, but we're saying it's very optional. You do not have it's pro, it's actually technically in the optional section of the rulebook. Just like feats are completely optional, you do not need to have feats in your game to run D and D as a D and D game. The and boy so, is it easy in five E compared to other games. Yes, very much so. Um, and what you where you get the whole prestige classing? It's just archetypes. It's just what type of thing. Like, do you want to be a wizard fighter? Okay, just play an more or less play an arcane, play the eldritch knight, which is essentially trying to be that. It doesn't get everything just right, but it's close. Close enough. And you don't sacrifice as much fighter stuff for it. Yeah, and I mean, it lets people differentiate their characters. So if you do have multiple fighters, they can feel very different at the table. Oh, absolutely. Um, I actually recently learned that the Cavalier, I have always just like, oh, horse mountain combat. I'm just going to ignore that. I've read through it recently. I'm like, oh, this is so much better and and more than just mounted combat stuff. It's like, oh, they get a little bit of bonus from mountain combat, but they have like the old um, marking ability, which is, yeah. hey, you <laughs> that guy d- d- hit me. If you don't hit me, every you get a disadvantage in trying to hit anyone else. It's the taunt. It's the taunt aggro night fighter, which is actually really good. That is very potent. Yes, it's it's it allows them to be the true tank of the party. And, and you see, tank. that was released. What that was a Xanathar's yeah, thing. Yes, Xanathar's. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's like one of the biggest repositories of new mechanics they put out. Yep. And I didn't have to roll my eyes when he said that about a new class thing because, guys, just take it from me. Like, if you didn't play Fourie, there was a third player's handbook by the end and it had just ins- it was and then ins- they had to start collecting them in tomes essentially like all of the fighter excess like physical guys are in one book all the primal guys are in one book all the arcane guy arcana guys i found it rather bewildering book. they did it. it's like trying to figure out which x-men continuum you're on <laughs> <laughs> good analogy actually uh, it ended up being like yeah they 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 separated into the primal the divine the fighters and and the rogues basically yeah and then yeah i think so basically they had yeah and the arcanes like but they they had started to actually that release strategy was a lot like three five because they started doing the complete divine the complete arcane the complete adventure and stuff like that and it, it that was just more of a an extension of their 3.5 power creep nonsense vomit they're release like strategy. more con well we we I, I I don't fault them from a business perspective of players like new crunchy mechanics. Let's give them all what they want. We will sell more books, make more money. However, you bloated just like you're besides being potentially unbalanced, you bloated the market and you didn't make them special anymore. You didn't make it unique. Yeah, and I mean, for somebody who doesn't know a lot of people who are gaming, or somebody who's new to D anD D, that was that could be very bewildering. And Absolutely. I started, I, I skipped four point oh altogether almost. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, in 3.5, I had to make a level 15 character for a game, and I ended up with five books in front of me yeah. all at once yep. trying to put it, put it together. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's my fault. I was a piece of shit. But, <laughs> you know, but, don't be too hard on yourself. But, it's fine. But, we all, but many of us did that like yep. to get the, like, well. Well, and the thing was, it's just like some of it was like hot garbage. That was the thing. It's like, well, I can do it this way, and that's garbage. Or I can do it this way, and it's obviously better in every conceivable way for basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was that kind of stuff. 
I remember in 530, like, I want to be a necromancer, but it's like, how how do you become the best necromancer? You don't play a wizard necromancer. Play cleric. Like, you take cleric, or you take the, what they call the true neck. Because I had the lead of, uh, Liber Mortis, which yeah, is the Liber, Book of the Dead. Ah, uh, yes, Liber Mortis. That was a really pretty book, though. I still have it. It's pretty. It's got cool content in it, because it's like, would you like to run a, a, dark, a dark undead campaign? Here's tons of... Like evil and not evil stuff that you can throw in your game. And it's super of, fun. Lords of Madness was also the was mm-hmm. the uh, aberrant one. Yep, I, I like those books. Those were just cool, like crunchy, like the demon book. And those all. were kind of end of life, actually. Those uh, were end of life for three. Close to it, but it was not. I'm, I I would have to look up the dates and times of everything. But yeah. Um. But anyways, like what we said is a lot of these books don't have a lot of raw crunch, but what they do are chock full of is just content, like setting content. Most of all, so in 3.5, they released the Forgotten Realms book, which is a giant, t- beautiful tome of, would you like to run something in Forgotten Realms? They didn't do it that this time. What they said is they going, there's a lot of content, there's a lot of online content that people can read about all of Forgotten Realms. Let's just update and then we'll slowly give you an adventure book that details very specific regions or areas. Yep. Like, Sword Coast Adventure, it deals just with the Sword Coast, which is bigger than our own world by by geography standards. It's gargantuan. And then recently, the most recent, the thing that we've all three been on, because we all play in the Water uh, Water Deep Dragon Heist game. Um, Where we was... solve our problems with friendship. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> we really did. Stabbing. <laughs> We're you really know... less stabbing than friendship, honestly. Yep, it's true. Um, they recently released... Uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, and then which laid into Waterdeep Dungeon of the Mad Mage, um, which is basically, would you like the source book for Waterdeep? Like, as much Waterdeep as you could possibly handle. And a very ever. complicated adventure. But a very cool adventure. Oh, yeah. I've, I mean, I found the way it was laid out very interesting. Yeah. Um, they, they're doing some very cool experimental stuff with their adventure and setting book because in, in Dragon Heist, they're like, yeah, we're not just, there's like the back couple sections, chapters are like the, the core, some of the core history and some of the big, big note, notes of the Waterdeep. But then the actual adventures is like this maze of hopping from one event to another event to another event. There's flow charts and stuff. Yes. And, and not in a bad way. I've, no, that was cool. Very I've dealt with games with a lot of flow charts and they were mind numbing. Tome of Annihilation made overland travel not super boring. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. What are they do in there? I don't know that. Um, so basically, there's a big map, and that game is really, it's more sandbox open world than mm-hmm. uh, Dragon Heist. So it's really just a bunch of little vignettes you stumble across, and you may or may not be tall enough to ride that ride um, with uh, each of the areas or ruins that you can fall, come upon. There's a few different options <clears throat> as far as for scaling or for the for the GM, the DM to decide how hard they want to make the, the encounters. Mm-hmm. So... When you're exploring, there's the player map that doesn't have the things marked on it, but does have hexes, and they basically roll to see how far they go, and if they get lost or not. Oh, that's and so cool. Yeah, it's kind of, it, it turns it into a little mini game in and of itself. Yeah, and so the GM probably has a map that's and then, the master map. Yep, there's a GM's map where they can tell if they've come across that's something. Cool. That reminds me of something I've learned relatively recently because of Matt Koval, because Matt Koval's a big D&D guy, he does a lot of videos about it, I've probably mentioned it a few times here. And one of the things he's done is something called a West March game. Was a West March game was I think had to do with like a variant on D and D that was called West March. And the idea was the plot, the the there's a central hub town. 
the PCs are kind of attached to, and they have to explore the map around it. And every time they find something new, that got put on the map, the master map of the PCs, and that they're like, oh, we know there's a graveyard or tomb structure over here. We I call know a cartographer. Big... What? Oh, I call a cartographer. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I love drawing um, maps that for you. Can also play with a a very uh, mixed bag of PCs at any given time. You you basically go, we're gonna go explore beyond the tombs. Who wants to go with us? So you could have other players come and come and go as they make see. it a little more episodic. Also, you could have other GMs come and go. Since no one knows what's beyond there, you can make it up and then go, okay, that's now a part of canon. It's a part of this. And you can have somebody switch out and make you help them help you make the world in a very sort of organic way. There's not one dude with one idea about everything that exists in the area around the little town. I really, I, I think it's a neat idea to create sort of a living campaign that way. Well, also gives the GM a chance to take a break and play. Yep. See Burnout, our last episode. <laughs> yeah. So so quick for me. Um, it, it can be. I mean, it just, it depends on where you are on that spectrum. It really does. Oh, reminds me. I have something. A patron uh, uh, messagist. Uh, and we're going to oh talk about it in Patreon content oh because of God. the content involved. It's great. It's amazing. It's a very, it, you're very funny. I wish we had <laughs> face cams. I, I don't know what these facial gestures you're making uh, mean. Don't worry. You're, you're in for a special treat. <laughs> All <afterwards>. right. <laughs> but um, so they've come, they've done a lot of work. Um, and recently they've released, besides the Waterdeep stuff, they've released the, the latest thing is the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, which is a whole new setting for Dungeons and Dragons, which is magic, the magic setting, which people have really liked, shown a lot of buzz about it. Um, some people think that future supplements will be focused around like Eberron. Obviously, we'll get more Forgotten cool. Realms. Eberron would be cool. Eberron would be cool. It was a really neat setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eberron was created off of an essay contest. Yes, it was. Uh, they they said submit us a what, what was a, a, new, a, a new setting give us an a new x page you have x pages of a treatment for a setting and we'll choose you and if you do you get book time <laughs> yeah and i i think that's really cool uh that's a neat little contest because people fans loved it when they can make their make their content quote unquote official <laughs> and make it like real and come alive and i think it'll be really interesting um, I would love to see like Starjammer, Dark Sun. Oh man, Dark Sun would be cool. They have Sun. to get psionics though. There, they so. Um, recently there's been a little bit of hubbub about like what's going to come out in the next Unearth Arcana because they only do release one every couple of, I think every couple of months. I mean, there was a sci- a treatment for the Scions in one of the first Unearth Arcanas, but I yeah, guess they were called just, the Mystics. Yeah, it just didn't work out. Yeah, and that's why they're like. That's why people thought it was going to be this next iteration of On Earth Arcana was going to have Sinonics. It's not. It's going to have the Artificer in it, which is going to be out. If it's not out now, it's going to be out very, very oh, soon. Oh, man. Artificer is so cool. Uh, uh, what they're going to do, though, but, but they have made a statement that we won't see Scions for a while. Unfortunately, they're going to push it off. For they're contentious. Like their their very existence in the setting. I hate is... them. Yeah, exactly. Their their existence is contentious. They are usually. Uh, it, it, I mean, well, they... when you introduce them, you're. It's a different kind of game, like just flavor wise. Then, well, you're you're, you're, you're taking away from a sci- you're taking away from a traditionally 
purely fantasy mm-hmm. and moving much have some closer. Sci-fi. What? I have some sci-fi with your fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Would you like yeah. some sci fantasy here? And it's like, uh, I don't know if the these two tastes can go very well together. Like coffee and beer. I love them both and want them separate. <laughs> I'm not wild about coffee beers. But I'm actually okay <laughs> with the idea of scions existing, but you have to like really dig into your metho- metaphysics and mythology of why they exist, how they exist, Dude, and how they they've been, uh, Psionics have been in Dungeons and Dragons, Forgotten Realms for 25 years, man. Yep. He, they're in the books. Like a lot of the, you know, there are psionic drow in some of those in the R.A. Salvatore books. Mind, you got all the abomination, uh, the aberrations. Uh, aberrations are all psychics. I yeah. mean, they're just psychics. It's like, and also, how do you design them not to be just a weird or elaborate sorcerers at this point? That's, yes. And that yeah. is, it's like, why aren't they challenge. just sorcerers? <laughs> or a great, yeah, or a great old warlock. Mm-hmm. No. Which, yeah, they kind of. To, like they kind of like bend that line. Like mm-hmm. Great Old One Warlocks kind of bend the line a little bit because mm-hmm. they have their weird psychic mind link powers. And well, so. yeah, and fitting it into that setting, that's kind of how it makes the most sense to me because, well, the Scion stuff that you just mentioned, as far as aberra- uh, aberrations, that's you know that's old that's that's old gods. That's old. Yeah, it's it's well, it's rules outside of time space. Well, as far as what it means in D and D, though, is it's kind of the Cthulhu, the Chthonic yeah. stuff. The Lovecraftian things Which fall into that. Against being in my D and D game because in a fantasy setting or in a science fiction or modern setting, equally terrifying because you're dealing with oh, things that don't I, follow your rules. I ran a whole campaign based around that. In fact, well, okay, about half of one. <laughs> like many games, uh, people came and went so much it, it fizzled about halfway through. <laughs> I still think backgrounds suck. You Amen like, to that. You don't like backgrounds. Hey, man, some of them work, and some of them don't do jack shit for you. Here's the problem with the background. All of them are like, here, we're going to shoehorn you with some shit. That was the word I was going to use. Yeah, we're going to shoehorn you into some shit, We're gonna get, and we're going to give you an ability that may be useful, but probably not. Well, I think that's what, that's kind of, in my opinion, the background ability, the specific background ability that exists, that is there purely to flush out and be... Uh, secondary to your main class abilities. Like, it's not there to be hugely mechanically impactful. It's there to go, here's some extra flavor. Here's something special that you can sort of lever- leverage in the right moment. It's fine if it gets used or if it's honored or whatever. Yeah. Like, some of them are like the Outlander. Undeniable mechanical benefit. Almost too powerful. Almost <laughs> insanely powerful. It's like, oh, you it, always have food. Or it's like the Hermit. Is like, oh, you know something. You the knew Hermit's s- a weird one. It's like, you have some piece of esoteric knowledge. It's like, well, better establish what that shit is early on. Otherwise, like, what's it? Who yeah, knows? No, I, I, when I read it, I'm like, the Hermit, why would the Hermit have this? Why don't they have, like, cool, like, like aesthetic stuff or things where they're, like, really focused on their mental aptitudes or, or meditation or, or meditation stuff? Like, and some of them are just like, hey, you know a guy. Yeah, some of them are just I actually love the you criminal know. one. The criminal one's my favorite. It's like, yeah, you, you you've got contacts, you know people, and I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Well, again, character. and here that's the thing, right? That is depending on the game you're playing. Your background makes you either insanely useful because the book says you are, <laughs> or really worthless because the book says you are because <laughs> you didn't pick the right backstory that has not like. I just don't like mechanizing backstories. I agree. I don't like mechanizing backstories. I think that they can be very useful for people who are brand new to role playing. Right. But for most people, they're kind of a crutch or a hindrance. 
so I don't like that it's that it's mechanized. There's a big temptation for min-maxing with that as well. Like, yeah. like you say, criminal is the best one. Like, I've played a character twice now in two different campaigns where it'd be better probably served if there was like a convict background. But so I fall into the criminal one. But also the criminal one has the more useful has has a very useful uh, ability. So yep, they have useful proficiency with with thieves tools. <laughs> Yeah, well, oh, it's yeah, that oh. ability too. Yes, criminals yeah. the strongest because yeah. it has thieves' tools and uh, and you know people. And then your starting equipment comes from that if you technically go by the book, quote yep. unquote. And it is like, whoa, the difference in like what you get out of it is, yep. is nuts. And I don't know, man. Yeah, I, like I still, I still prefer what, to get a budget and. Yeah. yeah well, that, yep. the, there's a lot of rules, especially since I I I, I flirted with uh, Ventures League for a while. Um, they, they had a lot of rules and customize of like, yeah, your background can actually be whatever you want it to be. Like pick two skills, pick in like pick two skills and then like language and a proficiency. proficiency or a skill or yep. some languages. And that and, is how I like And then it. you're like, Oh, would you like a background? Would you like a, a background ability? Pick one, just pick one of the ones yep. that are on these list. All of them are okay. You can just do, do it. Yep. Which one I'm I ran, okay with that too. Yep. And, when I ran a game, that's how I handled it. I just don't, again, it, I just, it, it's so... I mean, okay, it's not like D&D 5 is like the most freeing character creation experience you'll ever have, <laughs> but it's like in the one, in this one thing, like, I guess I take issue with Well, being... also, I don't like inspiration being tied to background explicitly in the books. I don't handle it that way, and I know you don't, you know, we don't handle well, it I don't that think way. No one does. Most people don't. Yeah. So it's, again, it's like, yeah, I guess we're kind of griping about rules as written versus <laughs> how we actually play the game. The raw, yeah, as raw. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know, I feel like they could have... They've had so much room. I mean, okay, the core book was the first thing they wrote, so I guess they were gonna they they were bound to fuck it up somehow. Well, right? the, I mean, <laughs> it's not it's it, not it's not egregious. It's not awful. No, it's not it's not a sin. I wouldn't definitely wouldn't call it. No, a sin. it's just it's not a play style I prefer. Well, it's also weird. Horrendously experienced role players, Murphy. You brought it out. D and D, the straight three books. That was their thing. Of you only need the first three books to play this game and to its like. In, in a true arc of everything if you want to run these games you only need the three base book and they're very very new person friendly like they are they You're have right. never role played you could read the book and you get a decent idea no, i just I was, as a baby role player i wouldn't have liked backgrounds when i was new at role playing but i just needed some hot takes <laughs> you really wanted a hot take i had to drop some hot takes <laughs> some hot okay. D takes it's, it's okay it's okay i'm sorry well, i don't care actually, that i know much. you love champions best of all fighters <laughs> I like, actually, I do now. like champions. Champions are actually. I've actually good. come around on champions. That uh, was the other opinion I was going to revise. Yeah, um, uh, actually, there's an unearthed one I want to see uh, officially released. Though it's called the Brute. It mixes sort of the champion with a little bit of like thugginess that I enjoy. A little Straight bit of thugging. To it. Yeah. What? Straight thugging. Straight thugging. It's it, it does a little more damage. It does more consistent damage. Like what it does is it gives you an extra like damage die when you use your weapons and it gets bigger as you get higher level plus you can spend um it's like some sort of points they have a point system where they can spend to get just because they're so brawny they get bonus they can roll dice to add to their saves and stuff just because they're basically kind of just big old juggernauts that run through and like do more damage and i like that i think that's cool i think that's neat um uh what uh what so in in sort of because murphy is is our expert at D&D right now. Why? <laughs> uh, okay, you're the most you've expert lit- in the room. You've literally read more pages of the 5th edition than either of us combined, Murphy. 
Maybe probably. so. And probably Maybe us not him. And Scott, because I know Scott well. doesn't give a hot shit about uh, 5e. Or D&D in general. Or D&D in general. Um, which which one's your favorite sort of book that you have sort of read or Honestly, gone over? Honestly, it is a third-party book by Cobalt Press, uh, The Tome of Beasts. I just love it. We have not gone over that any third-party stuff yet, but D&D 5 has some really good third-party content out there. Yes. Um, in fact... Uh, well, I mean, you had on the show actually wrote yes. some some of it. I will definitely put a link in the show notes for it. Um, it we've actually it, talked it to. It's called Tome of Beast, though. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, we've actually talked to like not only Wellum and we've talked to a number of people from Cobalt Press at this point. That's true. That's true. So we've talked. I just to, know him. Yeah. Uh, I've actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. I read just today because I'm on a lot of uh, RPG subreddits. One of the ones I think is they're getting one of their big creature books adapted to Roll Twenty. So it's a book you can that's fully integrated into the Roll Twenty D and D sphere. One of Cobalt Press's books, yeah, yeah, because the they have two, Press. the big one, two. Um, because one of the big things that they did in three point five, they pulled back in four zero, and have definitely come back screaming in five E is their OGL, their Open Gaming License. Yes, they basically said it literally anyone, anyone can go to their site, pull off this giant four hundred page PDF, go. Here are all the rules and stuff that you are legally allowed to use from us. All you need to do is give us credit that you got it from us, and you can do whatever you want with it. You you can modify the system. You can do what things. You just don't. You don't. We we don't own your property from that point. If you use anything else, that's other problem. But so there's a lot of as you said third party groups that are just like here's a whole bunch of OGL products. Some people tailor specifically to five. Uh, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, just like Cobalt Press. Where others well, are they like, also do Pathfinder. I mean, they do they do other stuff yeah. too. But also Pugmire. Pugmire is an OGL product. Um, it's official OGL. It was based off of the OGL product, and it it's tweaked. It's definitely and boy modified. did Eddie do a lot of tweaking on that system. But it's nice. It's good. It's low key. It's easy to play. Um, I think it's can't it's get above done. level ten. <laughs> I made us all sad. Doggos just don't live that long, man. Nope. That's why your tits level. That's why you don't get in. Actually, I like it because you don't get into silly town with the spells. Because the spells get powerful, but you don't get any. I wish every day. <laughs> that should be once per year. Uh, that's actually in the book. I actually love how they do wish now, which is, yeah, you can freely mimic all these other spells. But if you want to do crazy stuff, um, you may learn. At the very least, you may lose the ability to permanently use the spell. Yep. Like you, that's it. You, it's 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 a pull out if you need to card. Reality has has you know blocked your number. Yeah, <laughs> it's giving you the giant middle finger. You don't get to do it anymore. You are overdrawn on your reality accounts. We're <laughs> <laughs> come collecting. <laughs> yeah, and so. Um, so you like this? Why do you like this? Uh, uh, to, what's it called? Tome of Beasts. Tome of Beasts. The art in it's amazing. It's uh, there's really not filler. There's it's just all really. It's a huge book. Every page is 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 a different monster. Uh, with the CRs are a little more, I think, a little more realistic than the ones in the Monster Manual. So mm-hmm. I still think the ones in the Monster Manual are a little easy. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to read. Like, I'll just pick it up and flip through it. Um, I just got their second Monster Manual, Cobalt Press, released fairly recently, but I haven't really taken this much time mm-hmm. to read through it. It's called Creature Codex. Thank you. Right. Yep, uh, I was trying to pull it to oh, mind. Uh, that's what it is. The Creature Codex is probably being adapted. That's what it was. Because I was like, I know creatures in there somewhere. I just couldn't remember where. 
Yeah, it's really funny. We learned about the existence of the book on New Year's Eve because we were at a party at a gamer's house. Yep. And she just saw the book on the shelves like, what is that? And then she Yeah, because I thought I had all the Cobalt Press stuff. And then she ordered <laughs> it on Amazon immediately. Yep, that night. I got out. Went outside, got on her phone, ordered it off Amazon. The power of the mud That was age. also how I found out about the Magic the Gathering, the Ravnica guide. Yeah. Because the, um, they had that, the people whose I house really, we ended up at had really, that on their bookshelf. really need to look through that and just kind of You need see. to pick it up. Pick it up. It's a good book. Yeah, yeah I don't know it's the world some, of Magic the Gathering that well. It's actually got some, new cl- uh, got some new races in it. Yeah, that Oh, interesting. Sense. It's got a couple new races in it. It's got, I know it talks all about the guild, the, the whole world, because the whole girl, it's what? kind of a Coruscant. Well, yeah, because there's the five guilds, and yeah. they're all like... There's the Boros, the I was about to say Ordos, but I know that's not right. <laughs> uh, but they've got the uh, the the Elfie one, the <laughs> ass, the asshole one, the undead <laughs> one, the dragon one, and yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, for the undead one, I always like I always like playing the, those. Oh, the white just, black. What? Yeah, because all of them played like different like uh, clashing colors. Yes. What, like was the whole thing is like blue, red, black, white. Red blue. Oh, they were combos. Yeah, all the all the guilds like were dual color, mm-hmm. so you could spend different mana into them to do different things. And there were cards that required both types, and there were cards that could produce both, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'd be interested to see how that kind of translates into D and D's magic system because Magic the Gathering's magic system is very different. Well, first of all. You know, some people. You're a god creature when you play Magic Gathering. Technically, well, the Planeswalkers are yeah, they're they're special breeds of people. They're not people, people. They're kind of weird monster people. But yeah, well, at first question, one might say Magic the Gathering has a story. It's like that's what I said. As a matter, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you'd be surprised. Absolutely, there is, and every single one of the like, like I'm pretty much for a long time. Every time they released a set, there was actually a novel that went with it. Um, I remember them being... They were uh, bad. When you would buy like a starter box for Magic, I remember they would... In the rule book, they would not only just... In the little zine, the little rule book, there would also be in-character content. There would be setting content about what was going on for that yeah. for that setting. Which brings us period. back to your original question of my favorite books. As far as things released by Wizards, uh, either um, outside of the Core 3, either Xanathar's or a Tome of Annihilation. Hmm, why Tome Annihilation? I really find that setting, it's it's the Chult setting, which I had no experience with before reading that book. I haven't played it, and I don't actually like the campaign that much, but I like that setting a lot. The art's beautiful. Hey, a lot of people... Say the like, fuck out of Chult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have said that Tome Annihilation is very interesting because of all the stuff that 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 went on in it, and the I stuff that's about- going cannibalizing some of the stuff from the campaign itself but i would never run that particular mm-hmm. campaign or even mm-hmm. want to play in it uh, it's too mean it's too yes the in the permadeath and all the yeah and they have rules for mitigating that it's optional rules yeah they have like you're cursed like a motherfucker there's a death curse there's basically a baby god death god being born and he's created a curse that basically says anyone who's died and never come back is getting a yeah, no reses um no one can resurrect it's basically go would you like to play D on hard mode no <laughs> i get way too attached to my characters basically immediately i mean i've yeah. never had someone i don't think i've ever even had to be res in D, but yeah uh, i wouldn't I, like it i've always liked D because of the moral ethical compl- uh, complications when you're like Especially with Grand Realms, you know what the afterlife is like, and B, you have the there are powers in the universe that can bring a person back to life. It's like, what does that do to a person's 
like mentality? What does that do for society? See, in my mind, it's always it's kind of like um, no guarantees, man. Well, it's true. I'm trying not to get very political here. Uh, <laughs> the upper the, the upper class of whatever form that takes, it might not be necessarily wealth. It might be adventurers, which we don't have in real life, would have access to that. Whereas your peasant who's selling some pots on the street corner probably wouldn't have easy access to resin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even re- but even I mean, I've read a lot of Forgotten Realms books, uh, the novels, yeah, a lot of the novels. And it is made pretty clear from the character's perspective that resurrection is still considered very weird. Like, the ability to do it is not easily found. It is not something that everyone can do. Even, like, apparently finding a cleric with a fifth level spell. That's, slot. that's a, well, that means you're at least, what, technically, mechanically, like level, ninth level? Yeah, yeah, ninth or tenth level. That's, that's a very well-seasoned, established cleric with a lot of with a decent amount of oomph behind them yeah and they have to be you know willing to call it call it in you know and then there's also the gold cost for actually casting it which and for the lowest level resurrection you still need the body it's not like oh they're disintegrated it's like nope sorry guys they're still they're still toast you need true res for that you need true and res, that's which expensive is even <laughs> more grand, expensive right and there may be like two people in the universe two people in the world a human people in the world well, i mean human i mean like mortal people in the world that could probably cast that spell so you've got to get your ass go find them that's a venture and actually i appreciate it. there's a little note in our because dra- backstory in that one game go ahead <laughs> because, actually yeah speaking of dragon heist uh andrew did a very nice job of expressing that even because uh they're at one point, Meloon War Dragon. We had yep. to kill him. We discussed that a lot in patron content. Yep. It was a big, it was a big shebang. It's a bit of a, it's that a was a fun sp- fight to watch. Um, we won't go into the details, but there's an opportunity potentially to kill Meloon War Dragon. It's a, sorry, that's a bit of a spoiler, but it's, it's like it reminded me of every fight in Preacher. Because <laughs> that was how the camera was. That working. fight was so hard for it, us. It, it was, was ridiculous. It's like every fight in Preacher, where people are getting picked up, beaten up, thrown around. Yeah. And it look, doesn't look great. But, and we were and, just off having tea. And after that, uh, the Black Staff resurrects him. But Andrew made it very clear that because it, even though this is the Black Staff, this is the most she's one of the, very powerful. She's the fucking sorcerer, motherfucking supreme of Waterdeep and kind of the world. Some in some, close to it. She's one of. She's the, one of. She's high up there. Yeah, she's like one of the five most powerful people in the world and uh it fucked her up to to resurrect somebody yeah, she was stressed out and i was like oh this wasn't easy because a she's not a cleric she's a wizard which means she's calling upon like no, she has she has mr or did wish i did wish to mimic that of a resurrection so that fucked her up a little bit for a little while and she was taken out of our direct influence for a little bit even though maloon was like yo thanks <laughs> <laughs> hey guys Thanks for not leaving me well in the afterlife. Yeah. I don't know who he who he's, you know, pledged to, but you know, if it's like Tempest, eh, it might have been fun. Uh, actually they think they mentioned in the back of that book cuz who he's uh, a supplicant of. Yeah, the in in Waterdeep they have a, a list of all the major NPCs that you will probably utilize in a lot of detail. Maloon is obviously in there um yeah. his little history of who he is. Um the Blackstaff. I thought she was potent but i always thought was the interesting about black was like she was still a young wizard who happened to like inherit the black staff it turns out no she's got access to the ninth level spells and has access to the black staff so it's like okay 
you are very well. She's hundred. She's over one hundred and fifty years old, man. They're I all didn't know the, that. Oh yeah, all of the chosen of Mystra become immortal, and they there haven't been different ones. I, she's not a chosen. Oh, is is Vajra Vajra Black uh, Vajra Zafar? Sorry, her official name. Uh, she's not a chosen. She's just the wielder of the black staff. Uh, she's just holding one. She's just holding <laughs> the the soul one, of one, a legendary artifact. She's yeah. holding a legendary artifact. Um, who was the actual chosen of Mystra in the game? Uh, that would be um. The queen. The queen. I, I know, not name. the queen, but like, you know, yeah. Silverhand, Laurel, Laurel yeah. Silverhand. Laurel. Laurel Silverhand. Yeah, she, yeah she's we been... actually had to deal with her. Yeah, um, we did. Uh, I, since we're on the topic of that and D&D stuff, if you like City Adventures, get Waterdeep. It's so good. It's, it's really cool. It's so fun. There's so many ways to do it. And that's what it tries to encourage you to do is like, yeah, there's a cool storyline, but there's also a lot of the other factional things that you can do that tie in but also play with what's going on in the main story plus you get to play everything is about is you never leave Waterdeep Waterdeep is always a part of your little universe so a fun aside that's actually my first time ever playing a book run from a a campaign run from a book oh I've always played campaigns people Um, wrote themselves or came up with as we went same here I think I've never played same in a book off an actual, like, officially published It's book. kind of a testament to Andrew's storytelling that it didn't feel like... It felt we, very organic. It didn't, yeah. At no point, like, yes, obviously I know, like, I can smell some aspects of it that More are More Dragon the Leaf. Yeah, but, like... The first couple of sessions were definitely felt like that to me because that was, like, the first two, first adventure or two. But once we got out of, once we had the manor and we were starting to do our own, like, figure out what was going on with the, once the fireball happened. Yeah, it, it felt like we really kind of, started feeling like, well, oh, what are we doing? And it became imminently clear after learning more about the adventure that after the fireball happened, we really were kind of doing our own thing. and this, And the book really allowed for us to kind of go our own way because I've heard things that I, I looked at the book after we were done with everything. I'm just like, just the stuff you can do. Like there's so much stuff. But, there's factions. We didn't even know we're around yep, that kind of shit. Yep. Like you can, you can not visit most of the content in the book. If you just hyper-focus on like one faction and just doing the main adventure, you can shotgun the main adventure if you want. That's perfectly allowable. Or you can, Talk to a whole bunch of people and get into with involved in all the well, kinds the, of stuff. Well, I will say that the random the randomized factor in finishing that particular aspect of the story and like the final you know the final gate being like randomized as to what you have to get to get in there was kind of a stroke of genius. I like, really like thought that was very yeah cool. because it's like no one can ever it's just you can never you don't know. know what you want you don't know what you need and so every one. You have to start putting the pieces together it, of how you do I genuinely it. would play through Waterdeep Dragon. I was about to again. say, it's the only time I can think of a campaign that has replayability or could be fun for a GM to run again. Uh, I actually would love, and I was thinking about this literally today, I would love, I wouldn't mind running that book again, but I would go, okay, I would do my research and go, okay, guys, I really want you guys just to, to slam Xanathar really hard. Like, I want you to play the super bad guys, and I'll make it super wacky, villainy, like, shenanigans. Well, Matt, uh, uh... Well, I might be the worst guy you know, so uh, I'm ready to go. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, you want me to be a bad person? I can be a bad person at Dungeons & Dragons. I've been doing it for years. Yeah. I'll, I'll turn my empathy Scouts a lot, but... I'll turn my empathy off for if it means good entertainment like, for the people. I always like a... I really enjoy good bad guys. Like, like... 
Well, you um, and I had a lot of fun with that in that particular game. Yeah, because it's like, oh, we're, because we're playing in Dragon Well, you're the Heist. good bad guy. I'm the bad good guy. So Yes, I'm not a bad guy. I'm getting better, but I'm very self-serving. And you and the others have helped me not have kept me off the uh, kept me on the straight and narrow, as it were. But I'd love to play like we are a tight knit group of bad guys. We are it's us versus the us versus the world. I love that concept because it's like not only do I have to worry about all of the outside stuff, but then I have to also worry about the internal conflict between everyone else, like the group dynamic. I will, I will, I will say that it. I would almost feel kind of naked not having a 50 foot move speed and like mobility and a high <laughs> acrobatics dealing with the the situations that come up in Dragon Heist. I think well we we it all also it depends on which season. Way you do. That 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 um rooftop chase doesn't happen in in most of the adventures. It becomes very different because if you do the um cuz well if you did the uh if you did one where um Draxel is that that's a wholly different animal that you have to encounter and deal with it was fun getting to be rude to Draxel yeah what did you recognize it's really good you never asked me what my favorite book is Matthew. well okay fine uh, I was I was giving our guest the benefit what is your favorite book right it's Anathar's it's Anathar's yeah Anathar's is pretty because good because I like, mecha- you know, like mechanics <laughs> uh, I really like uh, mechanics too and- Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes actually kind of I haven't read that one. Creeps yet. up just because it does a lot of the planar stuff, and it does like the um, one of the th- things I thought was so cool was that you can um, it has tiefling racial feats. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of racial feat stuff in it, where it's like, oh, you're a tiefling whose infernal heritage was despater, or which, yeah. or which prince of hell yeah. are you like? A Where's descendant? your blood come from? And it actually mechanically replaces your hellfire with different weird different stuff. Yeah. And I thought that's super neat. Uh, I, I read up on that. I knew that part of the foes book was uh, an aspect of you. Basically, would you like to play Tiefling that's customizable? I feel like were, were Genasi in that book. I feel like they Genasi made Genasi's are. I thought they were in the Elemental Evil. I thought they were in the Elemental Evil book. I'll have to look it up. I think one of the biggest blunders Wizards made early on was releasing the Avarials alongside the Goliaths. They're the uh, the winged elves. Oh yeah, they had a fly speed for some reason, and it's yeah. like like no, they don't. Those well, don't in exist. Adventures League, they got you had to have a special cert to to get a have a character at first level who has a fly speed yeah. because it made you too powerful at first level because you could literally be fifty Bye. feet in the air and with a bow and be like you can never touch me. I'm a warlock who flies pew 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 pew. That'd be nice. That would be nice. Why not Eldritch Blast at that point? I Forever. Mean, one There's actually a lot of some people have argued that Eldritch Blast isn't that great. It's good. Oh, it's that's that's well, just a right Okay, joke, here, but... if you want to go back to our very early discussion about why we felt Warlocks were kind of weak, it's because why not Eldritch Blast? And as you said, Eldritch Blast isn't that great, and you have to take a whole class feature to make it yes. reasonable as yep. a weapon. Yep. Yep. And although given each beam does get that, you know, mm-hmm. if you go pew, 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 pew into one guy, one, like all of them and do the machine gun, that's a lot. And of they damage. can all crit. They all have the potential they, to crit. They can all crit and all that stuff. And that's really good. You need agonizing blast to make it good, though. You have to have agonizing blast. Otherwise, it's not great. That's also, the one that adds your um, charisma, to charisma modifier. Yep. Um, I suppose you could do the pushing blast and just be like pushing back 80 feet or some crazy. Keep them against the wall. Like, 
If you're yeah, if you shovel into a wall, it hurts them. Yeah, I thought about taking that. I haven't. And there's one other one modifier piercing glass, but uh, I don't know what it. But Gen- oh, I have it. Genasi, you are from the Elemental Evils Evil. Players Companion. Gotcha. That's where they're from. Uh, but okay, but back to it. it's like okay, your cantrip that you get at level one is your probably your best option in most cases. I mean, I guess they tried to get away as from warlocks as like a damage. Warlocks aren't really built for battle in this version. They're not I a mean, damage dealer group. They're they're more of a subterfuge. Swiss Army knife. Swiss Army yes, knife. Yes, they're utility. They're much more utility. They can customize themselves to do one well, one if, thing or another. If you cross class it into rogue and get shadow blade and thunder leap, it's yeah. fucking nuts. It's nuts. Yeah, there are there are some broken ass builds that people have played, and I'm just like, just play the goddamn character. Don't. That's that's. Ow, Roguelock is fine. Roguelock is is the most fun to play. <laughs> that's 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 baseline D and D right says there. The guy who probably plays who's tweet tw- uh, tweaked out his rogue to the utmost degree. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, shut up. You have. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do the exact thing I just said with the thunder leap and the shadow blade, <laughs> and it was awesome. <laughs> shadow blades are how, how I, I almost, we almost you almost were thinking about in uh, water deep dragon heist start multi classing into warlock just so you could do just that. <laughs> I forget what the one thing I wanted at level one that for for crane that I thought would be really fun to have. Like there's a certain maybe that I don't know if it was eldritch blast. There was some other thing I was kind of thinking about. No, that's not a level one thing you can just get by by dipping in one toe. It, oh, wait, it was being able to see in the dark. Yes, because the, the whole kicker yeah. is... The Eldritch Invocations. You do darkness. Yep. The kicker is you go, you go uh, roguelock, you go, I can create darkness. And then you have Devil Eyes. And then you have Devil Eyes so you can see, because normally you can't, in the new edition in 5th Ed, you can't see through your own darkness. That's fine. You generally can't see through magical darkness unless you have that. Yeah. And very few things actually give the ability to see through magical darkness and except so for devil eyes. It and then you have advantage on everyone, everyone, which means you pretty much always get your backstab damage. And, and then you get shadow blade, which as the as the as a spell, which is oh, you always have advantage and a whole bunch. Like also, your ni- also your knife is a three d eight psychic knife. Yeah. that you always have advantage on if it's low light. Also, you have thrown proficiency with it. Also, as a bonus action, it comes back to you. Also, yeah, it just the alsos keep going. And <laughs> also, you upcast it and it gets bigger. It becomes a, f- a I think it maxes as a forty eight weapon at with a fifth level psychic that does psychic damage. Let's let's be right and it, yeah, and it a, does psychic damage. damage that very 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 few things remotely get resistance, let alone immunity yeah, to. Don't fight an Abolith with it, I guess, but you have other options if, if uh, you're kill there. Kill a Barbarian. It's called Kill the Barbarian. Yeah, you can always kill a Barbarian with a Shadow Blade. <laughs> Raging or no. Oh, my brain hurts. Uh, yeah. Thought too hard. Oh, you I, thought too hard. But if you do that, you are committing to that being your main thing. So. Yeah, yeah, that is what you're doing. And also that spell is, you know, that is a spell. That is the spell you're, of your two spells yep. or maybe three if you're a really high-level Warlock. Uh, but the reason I like Xanathar is the best, and I mean, not only because it had some really fun spells in it, but I, I just like, I love options. I like character options, and I, I just marveled that as I went through this book, because remember, I have a lot of, like, a lot of feelings about power creep. I was waiting for it in Xanathar's. I thought, oh, oh, here, well, here, here it it's is. coming. Here it is. And I saw toned down rational versions of some of the stuff I had seen in Unearthed Arcana. Mm-hmm. Like, I had seen a lot of this stuff before in Unearthed Arcana because they use it as playtesting, like the, the Arcane Archer, which I actually thought was kind of weak, 
weirdly enough. Arcane Archer is a little weak as a fighter mm-hmm. archetype. Um, neat, but weak. Uh, the Kensai monk, which is neat. Not sure why you'd want it, other than the ability to fire a bow. As a, I mean, just do cool stuff with it. Just yeah, it's just you're a real good martial arts weapon, dude. You can use your le- a weapon you like. It's basically like if you wanted to do like a reach weapon or something with your martial well, arts. It, it plays into some tropes, and also I, it's like, oh, monks typically don't use magic items, but this is a way you can play a guy who gets his cool magic one really badass. A- magic absolutely, item. and he you can have your plus one sword, and it matters, and it doesn't have to be a shitty like a like a scythe like a sickle yeah. it's like oh no my plus one sickle <laughs> you know, like, but you know it, it's i actually neat. love the samurai in there the samurai is really neat because if you want to get a and a fighter with a lot like fighters already get a lot of attacks would you like more attacks always i always, always like more attacks would you like more five ain't enough i would like seven attacks in a <laughs> turn please and you can do silly stuff. I love Battle Master Fighters more than anything in the entire Playing Battle Master Fighters is a lot of fun. They're yep. so strong. They are very good for the person who's very experienced and very tactical also, when it comes to fighting. They also, need. they're really good if you're using a map and minis. Yes, that's that's the point. It's, they're very, they're the warlord. They're the old school the, warlord from 4th edition. They're, and uh, The thing that, okay, so the thing that you can't really discount about the Battle Master Fighter is that within reason, and I can say this within reason, you kind of decide you can crit three times per rest, because like, yep. <laughs> at, at level one you, or at level three you get your three d eight proficiency dice, mm-hmm. and yeah, you can be like, well, not if you're using a greatsword. Shut up! Uh, <laughs> it's still you know eight possible damage versus twelve possible damage. Yeah, that's a lot, but you still get to be like, this time, this time I crit you. I basically as if I crit you with a longsword, and it's so powerful and. Not there only, are some magic weapons that you can combine that with that uh, get kind of ridiculous. And there's also weird stuff that goes with those, you know, those tactics along with doing the extra damage. It's not always extra damage. Sometimes it's the D8 goes to your attack roll. Yeah, sometimes you like the prof- precise attack, attack yeah. or you parry a blow. That's the weak one, though. Don't ever yeah. do that. Um, don't ever spend a proficiency die to lower attack damage. That's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's stuff where you push people, but you always do the extra, pro- most of the time you always do the extra proficiency dying damage and then you do yep. something else. It's Speaking essentially of, critting. anyone out there who's playing a bard, don't forget your proficiency dice. For God's sake, don't forget to do or your bardic inspirations. Call, yeah, your bardic inspirations. Bardic inspiration, oh my God. Uh, actually, I, I've i seen Linda play in a Dragon Heist. I have, I've had to read a lot about bard and I'm like, bards are fucking cool. Bards are cool. I bards played a warlock really bard. It was a lot of fun. In Murphy's warlock game, uh, Andrew, the GM of Dragon Heist, was playing a bardlock. That is very strong. <laughs> I ran a game where everybody was cross-class with at least one level of warlock, and it was the setting was based on Lies of Locke Lamora. So yeah, the bardlock was a really good combo. I actually ended up tr- trotting it out myself later. If you want like a mixture of like a little bit of everything, but but really with a very interesting like twist, a bard is the way to go because you get a little, you get your own cool thing with bardic inspiration. But then you're like, would you like to do more magic stuff? Go lore. Would you like to do more fighty stuff? Go valor or the um. There's another one, the swords, school of swords. So yeah. the crazy thing about cross classing with warlock is that those spell slots just kind of they're just additive yeah. to your. Yeah, if you. warlock's your second class, it just adds. Um, that's and, what pal- That's why you see a lot of paladin warlocks. Yeah. Um, so they can smite and keep smiting and smite some Never more. stop smiting. They're like, oh, I hit. Okay, I'm because you could decide to use your smites after you hit. So you're like, oh. yeah, I'm gonna blow all my spell slots, and you take 
gargantuan Yeah, you take 80 damage, and you're dead. Just, you're dead. I saw a lot of people in Avengers. Why did you use a warlock spell that doesn't fizzle? Yeah. Nothing's more disappointing than when you use one of your two spell slots, which you'd only get... I think until six level. I forget two. where it is. Yeah, you just get two slots. Um, it's like tenth level where you get your third slot. Yeah. So if you have a damage spell as a warlock that's not a cantrip, and then you just roll ones on your on the damage dice, it's so disappointing. Uh, that stepping me once a dragon that's heist. That's why whenever I was looking at warlock, I was like, what can I use on myself to modify yes. me? Invisibility. And, and they get a lot of them. They get a lot of those. <laughs> you can oh, turn yeah, invisible and fly. Yep. Like, one of the ones that I remember, and this was like silly of me to even think about, what what does an 18th level warlock look like? And, like, one of them is the they get foresight, which is a spell that specifically says, you cast on yourself, it lasts eight hours, period, so all you do is once, and then have a short rest. You have advantage on everything. Just straight up, you have advantage on everything. Yeah, like, what they really wanted warlocks to be is a self-buffed, very dangerous delivery method for some other form of damage yep like they really didn't want you to use your spells for damage they've actually specifically with the exception of shatter which in its own way can suck um like hunger of hadar which is their aoe third thing it's trash it hurts your it hurts your allies yep whereas like claire oh and yeah by the way cleric spiritual guardian of (laughs) also at their level should be you're degenerate you're you're a degenerate if you take (laughs) you're you're a bad person if you take yeah that one's really strong for the level it needs to be like a level so good it's like it's like holy fire remember holy fire the column of death flames from the old from the old days yeah, flame strike. Flame strike. I remember that keenly because I love that. So it's like, oh, it's half divine and half fire damage. So it's probably going to hurt the person. It's probably going to hurt at least on some level that person that you're firing against. Yeah, I had another. Oh, I like that. I like the theme switching. That I mean, I think I talked about this very early on in our in you know eighty episodes ago. Um, I like how they made paladins not one note shit garbage you know like you're a good boy from good town i'm a holy avenger and that's all that i am uh, i'm literally a one a single note that can't interact with any party hooray no i like i'm the, on the spectrum yeah you're on the spectrum and you can't like fucking deal with any nuance whatsoever and 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 i actually like that they almost removed alignment almost completely out of it now because i remember in the old dragon magazines they were like would you like to play a lawful neutral paladin or a lawful evil paladin or yep. a cadoc neutral paladin or something like that. They brought like these other alignment based ones. And then 5e, they're like, no, it's more about what you commit yourself to. I just like Which the is... idea that a hate boner for someone or a hate bone like vengeance is powerful enough to give you superpowers. Like I am making an oath to take revenge upon you. And that oath is strong enough to give me superpowers. Eh, belief is a very in Forgotten Realms. Belief is a very powerful thing. Some guy literal powerful thing. Something noticed you. What were you going to say? Oh, so I'm glad you brought up alignment. So back to our discussion on backgrounds. I think yeah. that's what I was the the nuance I was missing there when I was trying to say why I don't like them. It's the same reason I'm not wild about alignment is something you describe your character before you play them. Yeah. So I can say uh, I can write on my character sheet that I'm you know lawful good all day long. What my character might not grow that way or might not be that way. Backgrounds are kind of a similar thing where it's prescribed before you even start playing what you yeah. are, and it's less organic. Um, which, yeah, I'm glad to see alignment in, in definitely stuff in, go away. Definitely in 5e, they've pulled back a lot from the heavy-handedness of alignment, what your character is, and its impact on the world. They used to, like, alignment in 5e used to be 
serious business. Well, remember Pretty protection fun, yeah. from good and protection from evil, evil. being separate. <laughs> yeah. And now it's just protection from good or evil or whatever you feel like, yeah, I it's guess. Like, and it only works on certain hedge cages. It doesn't work on most mortal creatures. It just works against... Like Pick a type. You say which kind, yeah. Pick yeah. a type, they can't come in. Yeah. That's... And yeah. I, I like that much more. They've, they've removed a well, lot Well, it means of... you don't have to understand your DM's morality. Because... Yeah. Actually, I don't like... Um, there, I think the interpretation of alignment in D and D, the core book, I think is a little off too. Because in my opinion, good and evil in D and D, an easier way to approach it to players is not how they interpret it. Is more of a good is selfishlessness and evil is selfishness. Where that way, if you're like, oh, he's a lawful evil guy, he's like he may not actually like like to murder babies. He's he's not that evil. He's oh, just I play a lot of lawful evil characters. They're really fun, right? Like, but like, just, I, I I don't see it the same as you, Matt. It's, it's, it's I very, never it, have. It's it's very hard to describe an entire morale uh, spectrum of morality in nine points. Points, yeah. In in America, you know, in or twenty in twenty nineteen. So like. Yeah, how would you expect it to work everywhere? Anywhere, like they actually Forgotten Realms, one of the some of the old Forgotten Realms books uh, released about the. Um, it was specifically centered around the area of the red, where the red of uh, Thay, yeah, like the book about Thay and like the area surrounding that, where it's like called Kingdoms of of Kingdoms of Evil or some crazy shit. Basically, just talking about how to run an evil game in Forgotten Realms. And a lot of talk about the nuance and subjectivity of alignment and what yep. that means based on your culture. Yep. And it's like, yeah, okay, well, if you grew up like your entire life, you can be from a – you can own slaves if you've never even had the idea that slavery was wrong and still be like you can be a law – you can be a lawful good character in a place where you own slaves – because you could not have ever known it was wrong because no one told you. Right. Like, it's just... Because no one's been born with the knowledge of what is good and what is evil. It's it's taught to you. And so you have to deal with that. It's alignment based on what your culture is. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, of course, when you get to the In wider D &D world... In lands, we're all moral relatives. Yeah. <laughs> we are all relatives. <laughs> and I think that's exactly why they peeled it back a lot in 5th edition and made it less of a big factor. Well, we don't want to all be, be cheaty about this whole thing. We don't want to <laughs> have to be a cheaty about it. I you would bring a good place. Right? And I mean, Instead certain, this. yeah, <laughs> right, cheaty. Yeah, and certain kinds of monsters might have an alignment, like Aboliths are going to be evil. Yeah. But, and there's a very few mechanics, though, that say if an evil-aligned character is nearby, they are affected, but yep. it doesn't come up a whole lot, and when it does, it's usually in relation to things like that that are very clear. Yeah. Very well, clear. Because they're so alien that they're inimical to human life, or right. mortal life, I guess. It's one not everybody's human. Old, yeah, one of the things is, like, the old paladins, like, you get detect evil, at will, so you could just be like given given the good boy eye at everybody all the time in three five. Oh, like, evil, evil! Therefore, you must automatically be bad. Therefore, I can smite you, and it's the, all legally allowable. Oh, that was another thing. Yeah, your entire your entire uh, ability to like deal out damages about like your one of your special abilities hinges on you attacking evil beings and only evil beings. So your smites only worked against evil. Um, I think that there were ways you could you could activate it that smite just worked on anybody. Yeah, like there yeah. were oh that's right there were <laughs> there were uh, in the book of exalted deeds actually yep. there were there were prestige classes that would allow you to just smite 
Like, you could just smite somebody. Oh, man. A paladin who became a villain later in life? Um, No, it's just that you become the holy arbiter of what is good and what is evil. Therefore, right. your judgment. So you're a up. villain. Yeah, you're a bad guy because of your book. Yeah, it's like, let's all read the book of Exalted Deeds and mm -hmm. read about how they're just as bad as the guys in the books of Vile Darkness, with the exception of the, the Cancer Mage. <laughs> it's oh, a mage book of that gives darkness. your family cancer. <laughs> uh, I hope they never reprint those books, honestly. Well, I, th I think that the most they're getting at it is like the artifacts are in the yeah. are, are available. The artifacts are in there, but that's basically. that's all you're getting. Yeah. Um. I again, I think uh, because we are running a little long in the tooth for this episode, D and D is I think unequivocally on a very good run. I like where it's at. Years. I like D and D five a lot, and I hope that they just keep a steady like reasonable hand and do exactly what they're doing. I'd like to see. I'd like to see setting books. Like, as opposed to setting plus adventure, but... I would like... Or more setting books. I, of course, always like, within reason, more class, more mechanical, fun stuff. Of course, with that, I, I, I'll always take it, you know, slowly here, because I know that's how we get in trouble if you release too much of that stuff at once. Yeah, I actually disagree, but, I mean, that's okay. But... Well, you got to differentiate your character more somehow. Otherwise, yeah. you're playing the same fucking thing over and over again. That's fair. Well, and then that's an inherent flaw to, to, to class-based systems. They're trying to like, they're kind of trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're doing a very good job of, of keeping that, but you run into some limitations eventually. Yeah, like there's only so many different ways. Like, like, okay, you can play a ranger and he's good with a bow or you can play a fighter. He's good with a bow maybe also. Or, you know, like there's only so many different ways to go about it. So... And especially if you have a specific play style that you are not like, for example, I have no interest in ever playing a wizard in this game. Like I don't, it doesn't look fun to me. Sorcerers, I could probably get down with that. Bards, not really my style. Clerics, eh, okay. Clerics are fun. They're fun. But well, just like, a lot of variety, they're but not yeah. nearly as broken as they used to be. Oh, I know. But I've played <laughs> most, I've played most of the classes in this game now. And I, and certain of their archetypal, archetypal abilities speak to me, and certain of them don't. Like, right. I'll never play an archetype that I'm not interested in, you know, using the mechanics of. I, I'll probably never play a monk. Exactly. I need more. I need more options if I'm going to revisit a class, for example. So you're not. So you're more interested in more class options as opposed to like more classes outright. No, I don't want more classes. I just want. Yeah, I just right. want more class archetypes. I want more archetypes. Our archetypes are really like the the the. Oh, would you like to add new content in this book? Add an architect. Yeah. Don't add a class. We're really, really hesitant to do that. Add I'm with you on that. Because well, they're very small. They're not going to have a huge impact on your game, more or less, depending on what it is. Or at least on your GM. Well, yeah. basically what they are is like, well, okay, so the, the, the there's a lot of classes. Like, how many classes? Like, are it 10? Nine. I think there's 13 now. Yeah, there's a bunch of classes. And they all, in the most general, broadest strokes, cover very, you know, they're very broad strokes. So yep. your archetype is really the thing that differentiates you as the, oh, you're that guy yes. thing. Yeah. So more archetypes means you can be that guy more. So I want more of those. It's 12. 12 currently. And I mean, obviously, Artificer is probably going to be uh, coming down the pipe eventually. I, and I think, but I, I think Artificer will be fine because it fills a very, very, very weird niche that isn't really dealt with in the terms of like, I'm pretty sure it's crafting and item usage as a core set of mechanics. Which I look forward to seeing more of that in I'm our game. I'm actually all 
before that because one of the one of the uh, decisions I had because if you went thief as a rogue, you can go you get one of your high level abilities. No more class re- class or racial restrictions on using magic items. You can use any magic item. I was like, though that's not that's not as optimal. That is kind of neat and interesting to play with. Because you're like, yeah, I found this thing that only orcs can use. Well, I'm a dwarf. It doesn't matter. I got it too. Good enough. Good enough. I'm just yeah. good enough. But uh, is that anything else you would like to say about D&D, guys? Me like D&D. D&D good. D&D good. Me like It's D&D. a good system. It's a great system. And there are a lot of variants out there that can probably get you where you want to go gaming-wise. Um, however, I will say this. D&D is not all of gaming. It's become, a, it's become the uh, poster child of role playing, it kind of always has been, yes, but was, it's yep. become the most public face it's, now. It's the frosty chocolate well, milkshake. Everybody's of gaming. seen yeah. ET. Everybody's seen Stranger Things. You know, it's it's the version of role play of tabletop yeah. dice game dice kind of games uh, may that I, people who don't do this have seen. And may I say, anyone who thought who thought D and D was stupid and then saw Stranger Things and now thinks it's totally fine. All right, welcome to the club. <laughs> I have one more example. Everyone's seen the Chick Tracks? Okay, now go yeah. ahead. <laughs> Mazes and Monsters is a documentary. Uh, all right. Darkest anyways, Dungeons. So I yeah. don't do it to Ryan twice in a row. Uh-oh. From everywhere here at Polyhedron, go where your fun is. Go roll some dice, Matthew. I will. Bye. Bye. Hey, Matthew here. I just wanted to let you know, if you want to get feedback to Polyhedron, you can go to polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to the show's Twitter handle at polyhedroncast. Uh, if you'd really like to help us out, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash polyhedron. Uh, give us a buck a month and become one of our bosses and really support the show. And if you're looking to get in touch with us on Twitter, you can find Matthew at BioImportance. You can find Scott at DivisMallCalf. And you can find Ryan at Arduous. If you want to spell it R-J-U-O-U-S. And finally, just so we can wrap it up here, if you are listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere, give us a five-star review. It really helps our exposure. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>